Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hello and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Matt Waterworth. I'm Scott Westby. Hey, Scott Westby. Hi. We are Full Swing Productions and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta. Sweet. Yeah, that's exciting. So what's up? It's been a busy week. There's lots of lots of stuff in the news. We got a second second part with Olaf, which is exciting. Um, So let's get right into it. The... uh, the one thing that we mentioned previously that was wrong uh, was that you can, in fact, rate the podcast from your phone. Um, so feel free to do that. How do we do that? Yeah, we originally thought that you could not, um, but thankfully, Briar is uh, making us smarter than we were before. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't believe us and she checked it out and it turns out you can rate it from your phone. Um, what you do is instead of being in the My, Ca- My Podcasts world where you would see the Alberta Filmmakers podcast, uh, instead you have to search for it in sort of the general podcast list find it there click on it and then you can see related and reviews like you would with an app and this is living within the podcast podcast app app. on ios exactly so yeah if 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 that's how you listen to the show like me um, another important tip is that uh the show notes are are clickable if you click on the album artwork that comes up when you're listening to the show i used to think that you couldn't click on those links because they are in the in the description but they're not clickable but if you click on that album art it gives you clickable links right so you can follow along as we're chatting uh and filling your ear holes with knowledge and then you can click on it and fill your eye holes with them as well yes hopefully you don't have just holes where your eyes are though yeah that'd be bad yeah you need the the organs as well so we've got a um a link on how to rate um in the show notes uh, as well so you can click through and uh find that out and keep those sweet sweet five stars coming and what is what has that done for us matt it's been great i mean it is it's really true that uh, even just with less than 20 we're, we're right now we're sitting at number one on uh, on movies and television uh in the new noteworthy section and number 10 uh across the board in new noteworthy on on itunes so it's a it's a pretty big deal and it makes a big difference for us um and i think even you just listening to the show helps as well so thanks for that um we chatted lots about the oscars last week um and there has been quite a big reaction by the uh by the uh board of the academy um from our podcast obviously from yeah, of what course we they, to li- say. they heard us say that yeah <laughs> oscar's so white and then right but they are uh, making some changes to to their uh membership and i get maybe the way they vote now, apparently it's not going to affect this oscars but um some changes coming up in the next couple of years that's right yeah so they voted to double the number of women and diverse members of the academy by 2020 wow which is only four years yeah so they got a a big job ahead of them considering 94 percent are white and 76 percent are male and it's been uh, what is this the 87th yeah so they say beginning later this year um, each new member's voting status will last 10 years and will be renewed if that member has been active in motion pictures during that decade so right in addition members will receive lifetime voting rights after three 10-year terms or if they have won or been nominated for an academy award I, will, I, yeah. and i remember that's and this sucks because it's a woman who uh who will lose her status but i remember last year there was a story about a woman who was nominated in the acting category and then hasn't been involved in movies and television for like 40 years she's literally a nun now well and, and she's, she's voting she's on the oscars yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah so um in other words if a current member has not been active in the last 10 years they can still qualify um by meeting the other criteria those who do not qualify will be moved to what they're calling emeritus status um those members do not pay dues they enjoy all the privileges of membership except voting no voting so i think it'll make the the membership more active um, which probably means less old white dudes right um, who are actually voting on the oscars that's, so, I mean, that's the systemic problem that they have to change. Right. They have to change who is making up the voting body. Body, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I don't think uh, the Oscars would survive without this move. And I think it was certainly damage control with Absolutely. Jaden Pinkett Smith and Will Smith bowing out of the Oscars and not attending and boycotting them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was more of a survival move necessarily for sure uh, for sure and it's yeah it's it's over i I just saw that uh matt damon called it shameful on it that's the perfect word for it they're way behind the times on this it's ridiculous so hopefully um this moves the needle but uh of course the oscars aren't everything uh even though some people believe they are um what's more important is making quality content and and a great point um that briar's been bringing up all week is the fact that um 
there just aren't enough people of color and women being cast in the roles that we would consider. Right. Right. So it's more, it's more of a symptom of a larger problem, mm-hmm. I think, for than, sure, uh, for than sure. its own but, problem. Right. But, but the awards have always had the opportunity to pave the way on this. Yeah, exactly. So I guess that's good news. Um, let's move on to local industry news. Uh, speaking of award season, yeah. uh, the Canadian Screen Award nominations were announced last week on Tuesday and Alberta represented amazingly. Like, yeah. Great job, everybody. Lots this is really exciting. So who's on here, Matt? Um, I thought you wanted to talk about our friend Dylan Pierce. Is uh, that? Yeah, he's on the list. I'll get to it. Oh, sorry. I yeah, see. Yeah, we'll see. work our way down. Uh, well, the Young Drunk Punk uh, and Edmonton's Tiny Plastic Men are both nominated for Best Comedy Series, which is crazy. For only five nominees in that category, two of them to be Alberta and is awesome. It is awesome. Um, and Tiny Plastic Men is also nominated for Best Comedy, uh, for Best Writing in a Comedy Program for our friend Chris Craddock and Best Performance by an Actress in a Continuing Leading Comedic Role for Belinda Cornish, which is awesome too. Yeah. So the sci-fi series Borealis, which was co-written by uh, Albertan Andrew Reggett, was nominated for Best Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. And Blackstone, another Alberta series, which is produced by Prairie Dog Film and Television in Edmonton, has been nominated for Best Dramatic Series. Uh, the Great Human Odyssey, which is a documentary by Niobe Thompson, uh, and Clearwater Documentary. Um, they won the Edmonton Film Prize this year. We talked about that, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're nominated for Best Direction in a Documentary or Factual Series, and Best Science or Nature Documentary Program, Best Original Music for Nonfiction Program, and Best Cross-Platform Project Nonfiction. So oh, congrats wow. on that, guys. That's I huge. I didn't know there were that many nominations. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edmonton's Trevor Anderson uh, and Blake McWilliam are nominated for The Little Deputy, which was recently awarded second runner-up in the Edmonton Film Prize. And it's nominated for theatrical documentary and short film. Uh, Calgary's Corkscrew Media uh, is nominated for Best Biography or Arts Documentary Program or Series for Balleluia, featuring the Alberta Ballet's interpretation of Katie Lang's uh, music. Uh, if you've driven around Calgary lately, you've probably seen uh, billboards for it. Um, they're, they're putting on a big show. So congrats on that one. And Forsaken, which was uh, the Kiefer Sutherland and Donald Sutherland movie uh, shot here in Alberta, it was nominated for five awards. Uh, Ken Rempel from Calgary shares a nomination with Kathy McCoy and Eric Gerland for Best Art Direction. Calgarians Gail Kennedy, Rochelle Parent, and Jojo Pierce, or, sorry, Priest received a nomination for Makeup. Yeah, this was something that I learned too from this article in the Calgary Herald was that Parent, who's uh who's nominated here. She passed away in 2014, right, right. Uh, but now has a scholarship named after her at SAIT. I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. That's nice. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So uh, also Rosita Dransfeld is nominated for uh, the Donald Britton Award for Best Social Political Documentary Program for Antisocial Limited. And of course, Edmonton filmmaker Dylan Pierce uh, received a nomination for Best Director for his film 40 Below and Falling. Uh, huge congrats to Dylan. And if you want to hear our conversation with him about this uh, this film in particular and his career in general, listen to episode 11 uh, of this season of the podcast. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes because Dylan's a great dude. And uh, it's good to know how one uh, achieves a for sure. CSA for best director. And he has a so. great journey. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely uh, check him out. Give it a listen. And congratulations to uh, CTV News Edmonton's Daryl McIntyre for his nomination on best uh, news anchor local. I grew up watching him on TV. And the Canadian Screen Awards will take place on March 13th and air on the CBC. Yay. Great job. Yeah, That's congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. That's huge. So proud. So proud. That's a great Alberta representation. Yeah. I think maybe one of the best ever. I would say we're better than everyone else. <laughs> uh, and I will. Great job. We're better than nice. everyone else. Nice. So uh, the CRTC, we're kind of following along this Shaw Chorus uh, acquisition here. The CRTC has called for the public to weigh in on Chorus Entertainment's acquisition of Shaw Media. And they will be accepting comments until February 15th. Uh, because of the size of this acquisition, they're hoping to keep the decision process that they make as far as whether it's uh, going to go or not. Uh, they're trying to keep the process as transparent as possible. So if you've got something to say about the acquisition, we've got a link to the instructions in the show notes. They are not easy to find, um, but we did the digging for you. So uh, you can check out this PDF and they tell you how to who to email and, and uh, how to make that happen. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we have uh, also got to mention that um, two Alberta shot films are now available uh, for you to spend some money on them on iTunes. And and, uh, I really highly recommend you do. Um, It would be great to support them. Uh, One is called Diablo, uh, which shot here, I think it was two summers ago now, right? I think it was last summer. summer? Okay. uh, Starring... um, Yeah, 2015. uh, 2014, maybe, yeah. Starring... um, 
I'm forgetting Scott his Eastwood. name. Scott Eastwood. Yeah, Scott Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood's son. And Danny Glover and a bunch of like a uh, bunch of great people are in it. Um, so definitely ch- check that out and uh, spend a little money to support um, the sales of those things. The uh, distribution companies uh, that are supporting those films are uh, going to want to see some, some action. And it's always good to help other filmmakers. Um, and maybe they'll help you later on. And if you want to be really nice, you can give them a nice rating on iTunes or IMDb. And the links to both of those... Oh, sorry. I didn't mention Ali was Screaming is up for a pre-order right now. It's not out yet, but you can you can drop some money on it right now, which would actually look really nice. So so that's another great way to support Alberta Film. Yeah, definitely. Throw a, throw a couple bucks and watch the movie and, and rate it and spread the word about it and uh, do all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, There's one more thing uh, I want to mention, uh, which is like very, very fresh news, but it's that Rogers Media is cutting 4% of their workforce as well. Yeah, I've, I'm talking about this on this industry cut spit here. So Post Media last week, oh, as okay, we know, yeah, they cut 90 editorial jobs throughout right. Canada last week. Right. Most most of these were actually in Alberta. 60 out of 90 were in Alberta. Uh, 35 in Edmonton, 25 in mm-hmm. Calgary. Mm-hmm. Each city now uh, will have only one newsroom. This, this sucks. So the, the Herald and the Sun in Calgary um, and then the Sun and the Journal in Edmonton will each be run by a single news team per city. Wow. Um, and yeah, we just learned that Rogers Media is cutting 4% of their workforce, which amounts to 200 jobs starting next month. So wow. yeah, that really sucks. Yeah, and it is across radio and television, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, also happening this week, uh, NSI Features First 2016 kicked off in Toronto. So we're following along with uh, the Albertan in the program, AJ Demers, who yes. is from Calgary, even though he's listed in being from Toronto um, on the applicants. I think his team is from Toronto, but AJ is from Calgary uh, and has actually been in one of our short films. And uh, he's hilarious uh, and he's a loose mooser too, so you mm-hmm. should check him out. Um, so his film is called Rust, and uh, we look forward to hearing about it as it goes. Cool. So who's on the podcast this week, Matt? We're going to jump right back into it with uh, with Olaf and uh, more great uh, conversation. Uh, we get further into his uh, his short film that uh, went through the Story Hive process, and we really get uh, the details of how that whole process worked out for him. And, um, and some technical discussions yeah, on some, how to get started. Some and important info on, on uh, how to use uh, some VFX practically. So um, enjoy. Here's Olaf. But back to the to Don Part One, which is yeah. called Don Part One. Where, where's Part Two? Yeah, Part Two is slowly becoming Looper Two because <laughs> right. I keep writing, like I keep imagining a bigger and more deep world. Um, but the original idea behind Don was to shoot something new, um, and I had been watching Looper and getting inspired, and I loved the time travel idea. Oh, actually, the main reason I did it was I built the blunderbuss, the gun. Ah, yes. I built a full size, like my own version, everything. Like you could definitely hurt someone with it. It weighs a lot. <laughs> But I had built it just out of passion. I was like, I just want to be able to build this, right? And by the end of it, I was like, I have to do something with this. I want to shoot something. So that's actually where the inspiration came from. Looper, build the gun, and then shoot the short. I'm even more angry at you now. Because when I saw this film, because I know Jason Therian, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I saw, he must have posted it or shared it somehow. I saw this movie and I was like, who is this guy? This is insane. I was furious. (laughs) I'm glad I upset you. (laughs) And now you're just saying, I had the gun, so I wanted to shoot something with it. Uh, I'm sorry to play it down so much, but at at least that was the genesis of it. And then, you know, it became a lot of hard work and uh, I, I learned tons in shooting that. But the idea of it being part one was that I kind of wanted to do this like part one, part two, part three, right? Okay. And uh, and slowly built to something that could kind of be this like offshoot kind of animatrix different thing. Because the idea I had about Looper was that Looper was, I see Looper as a universe Mm -hmm. of like there's all sorts of things that could happen around that and to not just focus on this one story. So if I were to do Looper 2, it wouldn't have anything to do with any of the characters other than maybe the technology. Because... They and I, I don't know if you remember the line, but the uh, it, in Dawn it talked about um, the reason time travel becomes legal or illegal is because it's easy, right? And so, I mean, I had some crazy fight scenes of like throwing people through time, and like that's how you get <laughs> yeah, oh, it amazing. Was, there's some really cool stuff, and also, I, I don't even want to say, I'll tell you guys afterwards, that'll <laughs> be right, off right. the record, <laughs> right. but uh some really cool ideas so dawn part one happened we shot that um it was an editing nightmare because there were some there was a small segment that we just didn't film Mm. and it was it came down to the reaction after rob gets shot right and it was like we just 
didn't film uh, any of that. So it was like, boom, he shot. And then he's just like, okay, on the ground. We're like, uh, what the hell do we do? So we had an original edit of about like five and a half minutes. And then we went back to the location when we shot, because we thought maybe we could just shoot some pickups and then that way we'd be good to go. And when we shot, the grass was probably like ankle height, maybe a bit more, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we got back, it was damn near shoulder height. <laughs> oh, no. And we're, Shit. We're like, damn it. <laughs> so now we're going to like try and find grass that's comparable right, so that right, we can right. shoot. And on the day we were shooting, the grass was long enough that after a while, all of us just moving right. flattened it all. Right, so we right. kept like progressing farther and farther <laughs> into the field. And... So, I mean, a tremendous amount of learning. And then, so we're sitting there going like, man, do we have to just reshoot this entire thing? Like, are we effed? And then we really got in and started slicing the edit and, you know, really learning the power of like, you don't, I'm, I'm a burden of chronological things. Like, I feel like if my hand was here in this frame, it needs to be there in the next because, you know, it doesn't make sense. And then you realize, well, no, you're painting the story. You're leading the eyes. Like, there's so much more to editing than just... Like Telling, yeah. chronologically yeah, right, following right. what's going on. So learned a ton through that, played with a couple little visual effects things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was basically a test. And the biggest thing I learned from it was the entire time we were trying to, or I was trying to emulate Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make something that looked like he made it. Right. So by the end of it, I wasn't happy with that. I was like, I just made something that wasn't how I would have done right, it. Right. It was how someone else would have done right, it. Right, right, right. So... It kind of had this big shift in my head as well as I had also only made something that I thought looked cool. Mm. I didn't have enough story in there. Mm. I had story in my head yeah, and yeah. for what's going to happen. But if someone were to watch that as its own, it doesn't have enough of a story. It's just something that happens. So I learned a tremendous amount in regards to who I was as a filmmaker and the way I wanted to go because it correlated with me reading a quote that said, don't shoot your demo reel. And the moment I read that, I'm like, that's what I've been doing. Right, right. I've yeah. been shooting my demo reel. I mean, the one music video I did, Lithograph, is a demo reel. Mm. That's all it is. It's just really cool, slick imagery. But right. what was the point? Right. It was an underlying point, but I could have hit that more if I'd been more focused on it. But I wasn't. I was mm. focused on cool looking shit. Interesting. So Yeah, that's a good learning moment for sure. Yeah, oh, it was huge. So so is that where you got started with visual effects? Was that, that um, in loop? Yeah, I would the, say it's probably my yet. first, you know, like learning how to do muzzle flash, which I think is like a rite of passage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> muzzle flash, like the little um, tracking and like, um, what do you call them? Like phones, I guess, or yeah. whatever they are. Um, a couple little things. I had some other plans. I really wanted to put it in a mountainscape. So I was going to like drop out the background and everything. It ended up becoming a nightmare. Mm. So I ditched that. It looked really cool in like stills when I didn't like, man, that would be a beautiful location. <laughs> but that I could have shot practically. Right. So why didn't I? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so yeah. so, so um, if I can just go down the visual effects road a little yeah, bit yeah, here. For sure. Why why did you take it on yourself? Did you have a, yeah. a background in it? or um, I I'd always like kind of loosely played, you know, and I have a heavy background in Photoshop. Right. So I understand compositing and bringing elements together for a still frame really well. And I'd always liked the idea of playing in that realm. Now, if you were to really go broad spectrum and we even like push all the way into Hello World, the idea was a backup plan to say... Right now, if I fail as a director, what am I? Mm. Like, what can I do? I don't have another talent that's really tangible that I can sell to someone and say, I can do that. Right. So I saw it and said, okay, if I can at least teach myself a tangible skill in case shit goes south, I've got something. Because it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm a director, but hire me as your graphic designer. They're going to be like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Right. Whereas if I things don't work out as a director i can say well i can composite or i can you know animate or model or things like that so i was like all right what do i do because i was at a time where it was getting tough to do this like you've got to prove yourself but to prove yourself you need to make stuff but to make stuff you need people to trust you but to trust you you need to prove yourself it's it's a horrible cycle for sure so that's kind of where i was seeing it and you also just don't have the budget for like the people who can do it I couldn't walk up to him and be like, hey, come do this for free. I hadn't developed that kind right, of right. rapport or network yet. Yeah. So it was tough to do. So in the end, it's like, well, I have the tools. Mm-hmm. I just need the knowledge and then I can do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what uh, what programs did you kind of get started yeah. using and, and do you still use those programs today? Um, I started, that was, that was all After Effects for Dawn. Um, yeah, that was 100% After Effects. And then I didn't have to do any 3D modeling or things like that, but I started out with Maya was my first 
like 3D program and I had no idea what was going on. I started this back in like Toronto when I was doing Q&A sure. and yeah. just like trying to learn. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like this is so beyond my spectrum of understanding that I just, I can't fathom it. So I just stuck with Photoshop. After Effects was kind of the moving Photoshop and you know, people were doing great things in there. You know, you have stuff like Video Copilot and Andrew Kramer totally. and lynda.com. Like there was yeah. resources are there. That's like anyone who's listening to this or you know, all over the world, you don't have an excuse anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't. Mm -hmm. Whether it's finding people like Twitter, the internet, networking is phenomenal, right? Or the knowledge. There is so much free knowledge. Yeah. You mentioned Freddie Wong. Like every video oh they put God. out has like six behind the scenes videos. It, you know, it's like just watch some of that. Yeah. Right. Like learn through osmosis. Just soak it in. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, so I saw it as a chance to be like, all right, I'm going to learn how to do this because I want to be able to do this. My, my biggest caveat is I've always wanted to tell stories you couldn't see. Like I don't want to just point a camera. I want to tell stories and show you things you couldn't see before. And that's where visual effects really come in handy. Mm -hmm. So now, especially after Hello World, I feel empowered to tell any story I want. Right. Right. I'm not sitting there going, how can I make a cool visual effects short? It's like, well, I have an affinity for robots robots that aren't a person dressed up like a robot but an actual mechanical you know negative space being that couldn't exist at this exact time right, right. so that's where it helps me right there's something certainly so empowering in that and knowing that you can uh, i think it probably helps you run your imagination a little bit stronger, oh yeah right? i don't I'm, I'm, I'm never sitting there thinking what can i do because of the budget i have or um the location i'm in it's just what do i want to make mm -hmm. right and then and you know that's also crippling sometimes because you know no limitations is the worst limitation Absolutely, yeah. and uh but in the end i'm not i'm not held back by that part so it allows me to try and create work that can stand up a bit higher and a bit louder than your typical like you know indie short film mm -hmm. so that's at least the idea and to use it as a tool and not just the only mechanism you have. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any chance Ryan has seen your short? Uh, Dawn or Hello yeah. World? Dawn. Um, have you ever like chucked it at him on Twitter? Or anything? Yeah, actually yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I sent it to, I like said, hey man, you know, yeah. I can't remember my exact tweet, but just yeah. wrote what, uh, that I made it and he retweeted it and oh my says, God. You wow, know, sweet. like that that was great. And they posted Wicked. it on his like looper Tumblr blog. Nice, nice. And, you know, that was like, oh, my God. That's validation. Like, I remember sure. where I was. I was in actually I was in Canmore with Jesse, my DP from Toronto, who DP'd my other stuff. But he lives in Toronto and I'm here. Right. And I was just with him on a shoot for, for fun because he was in town. And I had released Dawn and saw that and was like, oh, my God, awesome. this is amazing. Yeah. And then to take it even farther, he backed Hello World on Kickstarter. Oh, really? Yeah, Shit, which that's was cool. freaking amazing. I didn't so, know that. That's a, yeah. That is amazing. That so he hasn't commented on it since, but he's kind of busy with some Star yeah. Wars movies. <laughs> he's directing the next yeah. stars. That's amazing. Yeah. So, wow, congrats, man. Yeah. So, yeah, so you mentioned Hello World. Um, I, I mean, you were, I guess among the first five people to kind of ever succeed with story hive in its first i was i was part of the first wave of story hive in alberta right so i discovered story hive in vancouver and been like man this is amazing and they're talking about launching like their next round i'm like what the hell why aren't you guys in alberta oh so they are two days later they even said like hold on two days later it was announced for alberta nice, with edmonton nice. and calgary and such so okay cool. yeah it was it was um it was a life-changing experience. It really yeah. was because I hadn't had any luck with any kind of grant situation. Oh. Like very soured in terms of all of that because you do this mountain of work mm -hmm. and then just to get like a, sorry. Yeah. Thanks for like, coming out. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks for those 15 copies of yeah. 35 pages each. <laughs> yeah. The word passes. unfortunately is like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the worst word to read yeah. ever. And it's, yeah. and it's so frustrating, especially because then you see what gets funded and it's stuff that, you makes you want to go on a murderous rampage yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're sitting here as a career professional trying to further yourself. And this person's making shit <laughs> like not even my personal opinion. It's like, what sure. the fuck is that? Right. And, and then when you try to justify a very commercial idea about something, it's like, that doesn't work. And it's like, okay, maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree and that's mm -hmm. actually what they're trying to support. But don't make me go through all this shit you know, to just get like a, please try again next year. Right, right, it's right, like, yeah. I'm not going to try again ever, <laughs> <Right>. assholes. <laughs> so Story Hive, what I loved about Story Hive is it took away that pretentious bullshit mm. and just made it real. It's like, hey, we want to help you make something, right? Mm. Here's some money. 
it's yours. We just want to be able to show when it's done. And you just have to rally the support of the people around you. If you can do that, boom, 10,000 bucks. It was the most money I ever had for a project. I like, lost my mind. I'm right, like, for sure. Oh my God, I can pay people and afford people and actually have a crew. And this is going to be amazing. So it was a great experience. The tough part is doing that, like spending three weeks getting votes, not knowing where you stand, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then I remember getting that email and like screaming. I was like, I can't, like, <laughs> Thank you, because I had we had done so much work leading up to it that we got the they announced Monday. I had already everything ready to roll, so we shot Friday. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> That's how I was like, because we need so much time in post. I don't have time to be like, now let's get this right. Like we need to get right, shooting, right, right. so everything was ready to go. Nice. And then if we didn't get it, I was like, man, I'm going to be asking for lots of favors. <laughs> right. yeah. so like, yeah. hey, everyone that I said I was going to pay, I can't pay you a single thing. Right. But Please. if you're still yeah. interested, <laughs> right. you know, this could yeah, be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a it was a wrenching shoot. Like, I mean, we shot Friday. Friday night from, I'd say, 5 p.m. till 9 a.m. on Saturday. Shit. And then we did that all over again on sa- Saturday, Saturday to yeah. Sunday. Wow. And it was brutal. But like, that 10000 wasn't the entirety of the budget, right? No, we ended up, like, that got us through shooting and all the, uh, like, getting all of our footage and getting us ready to go. And then we needed just that extra push for some of the posts right. in terms of sound, in terms of, you know, like, tracking. For example, the beer bottles that some uh, may barely yeah. notice <laughs> because of how hard I worked to replace the beer bottle labels. Ugh. The dumbest, dumbest, dumbest movie idea I've ever made. And you want to talk about visual effects versus practical? That should have been practical, hands down. What, what exactly was it? I had this idea that in the future, there would be awesome little animated beer la- labels. Oh, okay, right? sure, sure. Yeah, they will look great. And I put like custom like checker printed labels on so I could track them. That uh, didn't work for shit. Uh-oh. It was brutal. So now, if you watch the original cut that got released to Story Hive, all the beer labels are checkered. checkered. Right? <laughs> and and no one notices because they yeah, think, yeah. oh, it's just like future beer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, future oh, beer, God. checkered. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this is brutal. So part of that second wave. So to kind of... So you did deliver two Story Hive. Yeah, there's, there's two cuts of... Right. Um, there's actually three, but you'll never see the first one, hopefully. <laughs> okay. I think it's online already. But uh, we delivered... We delivered a cut. Now I've got to take this even farther back because it's it's a really fun story. <laughs> so we had Joey came on board, Joey Camacho, and he saved my my butt in terms of making the first cut for Story Hive because the guy I originally had on to help me with the visual effects side bowed out, and mm-hmm. I was kind of already deep enough that I'm like, well, shit, I still got to make this, but like, what do I do now? Right. So Joey came on board. I originally asked him to just kind of help out with HDR, capture some stuff on set, help me out with that, and I didn't have to focus on it. But then he wanted to learn more and volunteered to come on even further. So he ended up helping do a lot of the rendering, and then I did the compositing. Uh, you know, he kind of did the look dev and the materials and rendered it all out, and then I put it all together. And, but I mean, we, it was due, say, the Friday, and we were rendering, 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 like every single moment we could. And I'm trying to composite while rendering, right? Like, I even rented computers for this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, it was crazy, <laughs> right? Right. Like, the amount that we were multitasking and doing to deliver this. So then we've kind of got everything, everything's good. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home and I'll finish it off and then I'll, submit it'll be like a few hours late but it'll be done and i go to finish the final like this shot it comes down to the shot where he grabs the arm yeah which was a tremendously hard shot to do because we had no tracking markers it's a very movement-based shot it that like it racked focus through a beard it was a mess so i go to open the file and the entire thing is broken the entire file all the compositing work everything oh my God. nothing works for the the shot it comes down to oh, no uh, I, and it's like five in the morning. Of like, course. Like, what am I going to do? Like, this, it doesn't work. I'm done. So I re edit the entire thing and I cut out the final scene. Oh. Because I was like, I have to give them something. Right, I have right, to right. say, here it is. I'm done. I didn't say what it would be. Right, so right, right. Yeah. I was almost tempted to like knock out all the audio, subtitle it, put it black and white, and be like, art. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was like, shit. So. I send it to them, but I, then I stress. I'm like, guys, I'm working on a version that has the final scene. It's like three more minutes. Like, right. the, the, none of it makes sense. Right. It total would be art house. Like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. So I, uh, I work on that, finish it up, and I get it to them. And I say, here you go. And at first, they're like, we can't. They'd already extended my deadline. Uh, right. right. And they were like, we can't keep 
doing any more favors and like okay you know, but but watch this yeah. trust me you'll, you'll agree <laughs> right. it's better so they agreed and they were like okay because they, even the guy i spoke to said he went to like the other group and he's like olaf needs three reasons like no more favors for, <laughs> for olaf and so they take it and it's great and then i say and i'm also working on another <laughs> oh shit yeah. <laughs> because the main the main problem we ran into was um trans we were animating in one program and rendering in another mm-hmm. and we couldn't get the texture sets to stick so i couldn't just texture the robot and be done and then have it work for every scene uh, you had to kind of retexture it ugh, for each one wow. so we couldn't apply certain looks and the the idea was that this robot wasn't new like brand right, new right. a it already looked too new like it looked like cg new mm-hmm. like it didn't have any real wear and tear and i wanted it to look like an older robot like yeah. it'd been through some paces and learned years. some yeah, stuff yeah. right so i spent the next year from the bottom working all the way up right right, right. and uh, you know including scenes that were cut animating those stupid fucking labels you know that kind of stuff all the way through to the final version you see now Wow. So it was quite the learning process. And so, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm actually pretty inept when it comes to, to CG, but you were using an actor, right, mm-hmm. on set in like a mocap. Yeah, well, I say mocap, but he was in pajamas, okay. right? Um, there was no real mocap right, about right, it. Right. I like to say it was a motion capture shoot, but we had nothing to motion capture. Right, right. Um, but it had certain tracking markers. Right. Um, there's a lot that I would have changed in terms of how we did it, but it still helped, right? Like having a human reference. There was, there's times I wouldn't have had him there. And there's times I wish I had had him there. And um, there's times I wish I'd done both, like right. grabbed a shot with him in there just to give uh, me like yeah, yeah. quick frame references and then not had him there for the rest. Hmm. And so it's pluses and minuses, things I learned. And, you know, it's it was a massive learning process. Right. So, uh, but, you know, hopefully, not hopefully, thankfully, there were certain people along the way that helped me get through certain parts that I couldn't have done on my own. So coming down to collaboration, as much as I was trying to take a lot of it on myself because I couldn't quite afford to hire you know, people who did chappy, right? <laughs> I I still had to realize at one point that I'm not good at that. And I, I shouldn't be trying to be good at that because mm-hmm. there's a person that does that for a living that should show you that it's important enough totally. that that person is doing it. No doubt. Right? Yeah. So. yeah. So, so a successful story hive project that you turned into a successful Kickstarter campaign for the post-production right, yeah. funds. Um, and then, so what happened with Hello World at the Pinnacle? You, uh, won, you won the Ampia for it. Yeah, you know, it got nominated for a few Ampias. It it won a few Ampias. And it's what was, I think, probably the most rewarding in terms of the awards was, A, the version that it won for visual effects was not the final version. Oh, really? So, wow. So that actually felt really good no doubt, to say yeah. we even took it to that level for that. But then if the other one, if they'd seen the other one, like, oh, my God. <laughs> but... Uh, but that people who worked really hard on it were getting recognition. Right. You know, like the fact that Aaron won for uh, DPing and Alec won for a score. Th- th- that's so exciting mm-hmm. to see that kind of thing. Because in the end, you don't want it to just be about yourself, right? You want other people to right. enjoy it as well for and sure. to reap the rewards. So, you know, and it did great at SIF. It was great. To, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys got to see the best of shorts. At SIF? No, yeah. I didn't. No. So, um, Hello World was in the uh, sort of the Alberta Spirit yeah. Gala, mm-hmm. which was great, and you know it won that, which yeah. was amazing. And then it was also in Best of Shorts for the entire nice. program, which was amazing, wow. right? Yeah. And going into that, I was like, all right, well, that's you know, I feel great. We won that one. Now we're in this. Those shorts were incredible. Like, I couldn't believe the caliber of stuff I was around and it was it was inspiring because there's one in there I think will win the Oscar it's called oh, really? uh, a bear story or the bear story it's amazing wow and if you get a chance to find it online or watch it it like after watching that I was like shut it down yeah <laughs> give it all the awards it's it's amazing. it did win the best of shorts and okay. rightfully so it was phenomenal there was one that opened it and it was this really cool animated almost like i want to say manga style but not kind of that like early manga ish whatever but it's this guy and he's just rowing a boat but it's filled with like old crt monitors Mm -hmm. and it's like this endless like misty lake and they slowly start falling off and he's sinking so he has to dump them and then you start realizing that these are all memories that he's throwing overboard right and so you know what he's letting go of and all this and eventually the boat's starting to sink and he comes down to this one memory and it's like him and i think it's his wife i can't really remember but he's looking at it and then the next shot is just the crt monitor in the boat and the guy's gone and i was like 
I love holy it. shit balls <laughs> right, like right. like that oh, it was so powerful yeah, yeah right yeah. and hello world was the first time i tried to really tell a story mm-hmm. to really connect and it was nice to be recognized for, for sure. something i mean i this parts of it be that think it succeeded parts that i didn't think it succeeded and if i were to do it over it would be better mm-hmm. but now i need to put it down and move on to the next one right so cool so with Story Hive, a lot of people who have gone through the process of trying to get something made through Story Hive and, and um, kind of whoring themselves out to their friends to vote, um, a lot of them say after their first one, never again. <laughs> but for in your case, you did go again and you were successful again for the music yeah. video. So um, tell us about that. I, because I actually had that very same thought. I was like, oh, I don't really want to do Story Hive again. Like, I don't want to go through that. Right. Right. But uh, a friend of mine got in contact with me. He had a band and they were, you know, want to know if I was interested. They, I was their first choice and said, you know what? I'm in Toronto right now. I was there for FITC and then I was going to Vegas for NAB and I was like, uh, you know, I've got a lot going on, but you know, let me, let me think about it. I'll get back to you on Monday. And then I'm busy typing it up and saying, no, like I'm not, uh, I don't have time. I'm not going right, to do this. Right. And I thought I'm, I should, why am I saying no? So I say, let's, let's meet. I'll tell you how I do it. And then if you guys are on board with that, cool. But I wasn't going to go in in an, uh, a compromised method. I was going to say like, all right, you want me? This is what I do and how I do it. Right. And this is what I will deliver you. Right. Right. This I promise you. But these are kind of like my terms. And they were on board, like super supportive, very excited. And uh, I have to say, I mean, I pushed for a lot of the voting, but I think they pushed a tremendous amount. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it wasn't going to be me and another guy. It was right. like they have this fan base. They've got their friend. You know, that really helped. So it took a bit of the pressure off me because I looked at it more as it's their story. Hive. Mm-hmm. They won story hive. I helped make it. Gotcha. Right. Because that's what I was coming on board as. I didn't want it to be my show. This was theirs. I was the music video director, but you're the band. This is your music. This is Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked out great. Nice. So we got a chance to, you know, in the end, kind of make a mini short film, which is the way I like to treat music videos now, at least, is that I want to turn them into a narrative. Right. You know, not just look at something for five minutes. I just watched it this morning, um, and it's fantastic. Um, Thank you. It was cool that you subtitled it all. So that you could tell a story, a narrative, while the song was was going yeah. on, right? Like monopolizing the audio was the sound, well, obviously, because it's a music yeah, video. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's a, there's a final shot at the end where she lifts up her arm, and it's this amazing CG robotic arm. So if you're listening, definitely check this thing out. Uh, it's called uh, In Codes is the band, right? And yeah. The, the, ironically, the video is called Stories. Stories, oh, okay. yeah. Right. yeah. So this is on the IMDb there, yeah. As, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to shoot. Um, it was the first time I got to work with uh, Brock as a DP, and he's amazing shit. Mm. Uh, he actually helped on Hello World as a script supervisor oh. and was an ace at it. I mean, Brock who? Brock uh, Mitchell. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, oh, he's a tremendous guy through, through DDG. And oh, yes. uh, that whole the whole guy, set of people there are just awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite the experience. But I also learned through that that I am not a first AD mm. because uh-huh. I am horrible at scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very optimistic about how long <laughs> right, right. certain things will take. Right, right. And I remember on the we shot over two days and uh, two sorry two nights. It, my crews must hate me. <laughs> like <laughs> right. no sleep on my sets yeah. and. We're at the location and things are going well. Stuff's looking amazing. The footage from the night before looks great. You know, this is awesome. So then we're setting up for the next, uh, like we're kind of switching things over. And I had told my wife, she came over and I said, yeah, just make sure I'm like staying on time with stuff, right? So I go back and uh, it's a good distance between the shooting location and where we're kind of stationed. So I'm walking over to this junkyard and uh, she's like, How's th- how are things going? I'm like, they're going amazing. She's like, you do know what time it is, right? I'm like, yeah, I know what time it is. Yeah, it's fine. She's like, do you know what time it is? So I look and I thought it was like quarter to 12. It was quarter to one. Ooh. Oh, shit. We had to be out by two. Ooh. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I run over. I tell Brock, I'm like, Brock, we have to start shooting now. Right. He's like, but we're not. I'm like, we don't have time. Brock's pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's yeah. just not happy because yeah. now we're compromising everything. Of course. Again, get into the edit. I just don't even have a shot that I need. <laughs> what the fuck? Right? right? And then I another valuable lesson and your conversations you have with your DP and anyone on set is we're all here to do our art. We're all here to make beautiful, amazing things, tell stories. But if one shot is expertly lit and you don't get the other, 
you don't have that shot. Mm. You can't do anything with right. it. There's no way to fix zero. If you don't have it, mm-hmm. you, you're done. Right. Right. And that's what we ended up with, right? On Hello World, on stories. And it's the biggest lesson I've learned is to communicate that, that you're not there to tell a DP that you can't get that shot or to tell people that can't do that because we don't have time. It's that in the end, if you don't have it, if it's not, you can't even put it on the cutting room floor because it doesn't exist. So don't compromise the entire vision for your own selfish vision, right? You're here to do the best job you can, but understand that the cost of you getting extra 20 minutes each scene to light it in the better way, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, we didn't get all our scenes today. It's definitely, it's the danger of perfectionism. Is, it, is and, during it's, production. and it's really tough. And I've spoken to two DPs that I would say are like top, top of class. And one's got the approach that it's like, I want as much time as I need to get that lit perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the other is you tell me how much time I have and I'll get it lit as best I can in right. that time. Right. I think somewhere in between all that, you know, because at the same time, if I had been properly scheduling stuff out, we may not have even had those issues, right? right? And then the idea that my DP needs to understand we need to get the shot may not even be on the table. Mm-hmm. So it's it's balance in all these different departments. And again, now you learn why someone can just singularly be a first AD yeah, because oh yeah. it's important as shit. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. So uh, the last thing on the IMDb, in the, in, at least in the director section, is is the hero. So what's what's this all about? <laughs> that's a that's a script idea I've had for for a long time, and I've written probably two or three different drafts on it. Uh, I won't go into the details on here, but I'll tell you guys about it. All right, um, short film? It, it, no, a feature. Oh, okay. It was what I was hoping would be my first feature, <clears throat> and I, it's on there simply because I was at that time. I think it's been on there for like two three years now because i just it was like i need to get this on my imdb right, you know right. you were at that stage in your career you're like imdb is everything right and it's not right no. like it, you put your stuff on there but in the end it's not going to get you your job it's right. it's your work and mm-hmm. you so so it's on there i've actually they, i've gotten like several emails like asking me for the updates like what's going on yeah, with yeah, the hero the, 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 and i've even told them like take it down <laughs> like it doesn't <laughs> nothing not right, like right. they don't listen to me yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. just whatever right mm-hmm. so it's on there um and I think it could be a pretty tremendous story, but uh, there's other ones that are starting to shovel their way in front of it. Sure. So, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you more. All right. Cool. Cool. So, um, let's get into some some nuts and bolts, kind of tips and tricks stuff. Cool. Um, so, I have questions for two categories of people. So, the first is someone who loves visual effects and wants to doesn't know how to get started. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? For tips. Uh, I'd say go on the internet and start watching videos. Yeah. Um, I use I have a, an ongoing membership with digital tutors. So anytime I come into a software I don't know, I just literally like right now I'm learning Houdini because Houdini is great for dynamics and particles and like atmospherics mm-hmm. and you know if you want to make you know explosions and rain and snow and stuff like that. Um, right now I use Maya. I have Nuke. Um, I have After Effects. Uh, I have ZBrush. You know, like there's tons. You have to you have to give yourself time and learn the shitty stuff. Learn the stuff, the foundations, because I don't know how much I, how much time I spend going backwards because I'm like, oh yeah, I just like, fuck UVs. I'll just make it and fix it there. No, go in there, do things properly. Take the time because I guarantee you it will save you time later. So you talked about muzzle flashes as kind of being a rite of yeah. passage. What yeah. else like, what else would you recommend people just start with as like an effect that they can sort of enjoy the, the fruits of their labor on screen afterwards? Oh, I don't know because it, it would all depend on what you're trying to do. Muzzle flashes are kind of one of the easiest things to do. And it, it involves a few things like lighting, tracking, compositing. Um, but I, I think if, if you want to do something, if you want to get into visual effects, don't do it because you want to do a specific one thing. Get into it because you like the freeing idea that you can now create anything, Mm. right? So if you want to get into it and all you want to do is muzzle flashes, well, then just go find the 900 tutorials on muzzle flashes. Get that done and you'll learn muzzle flashes. But you can never be a visual effects artist because it's not what you want. You just want to do muzzle flashes. But if you want to learn and like get into it and learn as to why, watch tons of behind the scenes, like breakdowns as to how things come together. People talking about those, right? The interviews with them and those processes and things like that. And then go in and watch the foundation videos, Mm. right? So like, hey, this is the introduction to Maya. Right. Like just learn how that shit works because if you want to see what it's capable of, just go to the movie theater. Yeah, of course. Right, like yeah, true. The, again, Jurassic Park, ninety three. 
Yeah. Right. There was no Maya. Yeah. If you want to go do that, go do it. Right. I mean, the great thing is it's much like Photoshop is there's the programs are so deep and giant that you could be really good at one aspect of that program and never even touch the others. Like in Maya, you've got different shelves and different categories that change your entire like interface, depending on what you're working on. Right. Like if you're rendering, like when someone says I'm a visual effects artist, it's kind of a cheat, right? Like even on my site, it shouldn't say that. I'm not a visual effects artist. I'm pretty good at compositing. Um, you know, I can do some modeling. I can do some okay Define animation. Define compositing. Like I said, I'm, what, what exactly is compositing? Um, bringing the elements together. Okay. So if, uh, if we were in Photoshop, right, that would be like your layers of stuff, mm -hmm. right? So if we were shooting this and I wanted us to be in a mountain landscape instead of where we are right now, that would be, okay, taking the mountain landscape that was probably modeled or just photographed and put onto a plate right. and then bring it in and like roto you out. So cut you out and put it behind you and right. make the color depths match so that they look like they're the depth of field and so it'd be like that i don't know if you saw that game of thrones behind yeah. the scenes where they take all the different elements in yeah. where all the kind of and they all come in yeah. drops okay. in okay. that would be compositing Making compositing is like the final step gotcha. that is putting your cake together okay okay cool. so that would be it. And like I said, visual effects artist is a hard thing to say because that there's so much you can do in it. Like you can open up Maya and be like the most phenomenal animator, but you know, you never render shit out of there mm. because you don't need to. Right. You're the animator, right? You're good at rigging, like adding skeletons to it and deformations and all that. So whatever it is you want to be able to do, make sure you really want to do it and then go and do it. Right. right? And awesome. I would say that <clears throat> when it comes to learning the foundations sometimes look outside of what you think is the obvious like there's a book that i saw on animation but it's traditional animation and it's huge but it goes through all the traditional like animation cycles of like running walking you know when to do certain things and that all correlates to animating in maya or wherever because all you end up learning is a program same with zbrush if you're a really good sculptor or artist you're gonna love zbrush yeah. Because it's just an extension into right. the digital world right. of your arm. It's mm -hmm. not, you, I don't know how many times I've opened and been like, all right, let's make something amazing. And then you realize I can't draw. So, <laughs> so the foundation, yeah. right? So, so the skills really, that build up, like the classic knowledge is Exactly. Like too, if yeah. you understand light, composition, if you have the fundamental drawing skills, things like that, those will take you. Because some people go like, oh, I just need to learn Maya or Nuke and I'll be great. It's like... Well, in Nuke, when I'm compositing, there's a ton of color theory that comes into it and making that all balance and mm -hmm. why it comes together, right? Small things like matching grain plates, right? Like just the grain from right. your camera right. and the thing that you generate, right. like this thing you render out of Maya or whatever program you're in, very seldom looks like the final thing because that's where compositing comes in. Right. Rendering is perfect. It is perfect so now you got to get in there and get uh, lens blooming and distortion and chromatic aberration and noise and depth of feel all these things yeah. that technically make an image worse because right. i guarantee right. you some of the worst visual effects you've seen out there are when they haven't paid attention to that stuff to make it look like it snapped right. into what was filmed on location and it you can just tell instantly right. you're like that that doesn't belong that's there. a cg yeah. spaceship right even the, right? even someone untrained can can catch that because our eyes are so good that we know and our brains instantly know when something is fake. Yeah. But the times you don't notice, and that's when the visual effects artists have won and done an amazing job, and you're like, that was a visual effects shot? Mm. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So. Which, which is probably why visual effects get such a hate on is because you don't notice most of it, and so how are you going to even know what it, to hate on, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It, it, it just I think, over. You, you know, you can have an entire podcast, like hour-long discussion easy on the industry, but I think it's they're guilty of having kind of done it to themselves as well. I think that they'd need tons more respect, but I think they also got to a point where they let the abuse happen because you have people that are endlessly passionate, right? That are going to work those extra hours, yeah. that are going to, because they care so much. Mm -hmm. And then that bites you in the ass, right? Yeah. It's. I think that's any that's any industries in the film industry, any Any industry really, in yeah. general, if you keep doing it, like I'm passionate about what I do. Would I do it for free? No, because I know how much work it takes. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. And when someone hires you, if you just start giving them free stuff because you're passionate about mm -hmm. 
it's going to cost you eventually. It's a good way to right? keep doing free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how much you cost now. Yeah. We got, I remember being bit on a project before because we were like, Hey, we really want to do this. We'll kind of discount the first round. That was the highest they ever paid for those. And the right. moment, the moment we mentioned like, Hey, maybe like, this is what they actually cost. They're like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it, w- it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't like, right. let's talk about this. Let's, you know, it was, then we don't need you. Yeah. Wow. We'll <laughs> so find someone who that has is, the passion. That is that the rate yeah. or we're done. Right. Wow. Um, that was awesome. That was a way better answer than I even hoped for. So thank you. Uh, the no second problem. the second group of people are established um, people working in the industry who don't don't necessarily want to get into visual effects. But um, what are some tips and tricks about working with a visual effects artist and colla- that collaboration and that relationship and things that you could do on set or in pre production or post to make it run smoother and just have a better the earlier you involve them, the better, sure. right? Like I'm working on a project right now where I'm the afterthought. I'm replacing a visual effects mm-hmm. artist. So there's a lot of stuff I would have done differently on set, mm-hmm. uh, preparation, information. You know, now instead of trying to get information or trying to like work backwards, I could have had all that and they would have been in a better spot whether I was the visual effects artist or not. So definitely get them involved early, especially like the high level. I'm not talking about the, okay, now we need to animate this or texture this. It's like, okay, how are we gonna do this? This is your visual effects supervisor, right? They're gonna make sure that this goes smoothly and that it can be executed. Because for example, on Hello World, there's certain shots where I needed tracking markers in there and we didn't put any. Mm. And I should, like I should have made that more apparent, Mm. right? Because it was a nightmare afterwards. You can do anything, anything in Photoshop, After Effects, Nuke, Maya, all of that if you have the right tools. Hmm. You can't just make it all up, right? You still need the right information. Like if you're making explosions and you're gonna put them onto the cam- uh, onto a back plate, well, you still need to know what camera it was shot on and what the lens was. Otherwise, right, right. you know, there's just little things. Uh, so the sooner yeah. you can have them involved in those conversations, the better, right? Right. And at the same time, understand that there's, like I think the smartest person on set is the VFX supervisor because the stuff they know about like light spectrums and right. atmospheric hazing and like stuff that you're like, what? <laughs> like the physics of certain things that they just know, mm-hmm. you know, I listen to them. Because they have to. Yeah. They have to because, you know, it, it's all going to come down to them. You know, a DP, if he's filming an explosion and it goes south, it wasn't his fault that it didn't explode, right? Right. And he's just there to capture that. Whereas if you've got to make it in post and it doesn't look real, right? Like even your scale, if your scale is off in your simulations, can make it look like it's a thousand feet tall, but it should be two meters tall, right? right? So when it comes to working with them, I guess my biggest advice would be to hire someone tremendously smarter than you hmm. when it comes to that. Like don't don't hire someone because they can do it. Hire someone who's really passionate about getting it done right. So hmm. because there's tons of people that can do it, that, that can compose, that can detail all that, but you want the person who's going to do it right for the right reasons. Right. And, and, and I think that brings us back to the whole storytelling mm-hmm. aspect. Um, and this is why I'm such a fan of yours is because our, the first conversation we ever had was not about visual effects. It was about the subtle use of visual effects in a storytelling capacity yeah. and how, and the art of not showing and the art of exactly of only showing a little bit and not putting visual effects front and center, um, but rather using them to tell your story. So, yeah, I would just kind of tack that on to Yeah, I think that said. age-old saying of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right, right. What was your experience like uh, working with actors who had to interact with something that wasn't there? Um, it's, <clears throat> it's different because, you know, I'm still honing my own directorial style and talking with actors and getting them into those certain places. But a good actor is going to, you know, they're going to work with it because... That's who they are. They go to these imaginary places in their head. But whenever you can have something that they can feed off of, it's only going to be better. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you can give them something to tangibly get angry at or to interact with, it's only going to be better. Like uh, the shot where um, the Android grabs the dad's arm. I think we even shot it without him doing it. But then his arm kind of flails about a bit. It doesn't look quite right. And, you know, that there's no no replacing actually interacting with someone. So if I were to choose, the only time it would not be there is if it was going to make a job tremendously easier and you're weighing out the pros and cons. And you say, okay, well, the Android just needs to stand there. They don't touch it. They don't need to interact with it. They just need to look at it. Mm-hmm. Could I have a tennis ball? Maybe that'll be better right, than right. having to now create a clean plate, take him out, and you know all these different things. Hmm. So... 
Uh, I know this is going to sound, uh, I think we're, we're all going to know the answer to this because you worked at the Apple store, but pretend you didn't. Um, and you're just a visual effects artist. Uh, Mac sure. or PC? It's very interesting that you should ask that um, in regards to visual effects because I've just recently switched to PC okay. because of visual effects. Mm. Um, not that you can't get things done on a Mac. A Mac is great, but you know I think PC gets a bad rap because you know I don't think people quite understand what they're doing as much on a PC as a Mac because Mac hides a lot of that shit away from oh, you yes, because yeah. you know it's really easy to break shit on a PC. It really is. Oh yeah, right. But if you know what you're doing, like the PC I built, you know it's working phenomenally. It definitely required more work. You know, I built this is the first time I built a PC. I never mm -hmm. built a computer before. I was like, fuck it, I need a better machine. And the equivalent Mac you can't even buy in terms of power. Right. And I saved myself like five grand. Yeah. Wow. Right. So, yes, I put in head, you know, legwork to build it and mm -hmm. to, you know, do all the research, put it all together and all this stuff. Because I actually, at one point, was going to build a PC, got so frustrated that I said, fuck it. And I bought a Mac Pro, like a 2012 Mac Pro. <clears throat> it was working great. Everything was awesome, but the problem that came down to the visual effects side is the support wasn't there. Uh, so there's so much stuff that just doesn't quite work on a Mac, or you know, they're getting on to like the next update and they don't even like in terms of your OS and the software you're working doesn't even work with the current OS. So right, you're like right, right. going to be two OSs behind. Right. right. So it's really frustrating in that mm. regard and then you call for support because you're trying to get something working it just doesn't even work on a mac mm. and you spend hours trying to figure out why and it's like oh in the end oh it's a mac right, <laughs> right. oh and it's not a supported os hmm. and you know certain stuff just doesn't run as well and then i finally said okay you know what i've got i've got to get to a better place where i'm not troubleshooting all the time right, and right, doing right. tech support and yeah. if i am the answer is quick sure right and in terms of visual effects the pc world is so much more supported not only in terms of software but forums uh, like how to troubleshoot things like i think i've come up with maybe two issues since i've had my pc hmm. that have been really easy to fix really quickly wow. and like overall all the software is much snappier it works faster and quicker and now as things move on like if i want to upgrade my graphics card boom i'll throw a new one in there or i can put another one in you know like i know the inner workings of my computer right right so if i were to say it doesn't matter. It kind of does. If you weren't playing with visual effects, I'd probably stick Mac. But after being in Windows 10, you know, it's they both have their pros and cons. Because sure. I, I have like my Mac laptop, I have an iMac, and then I have my PC build. And I'm in between all of them. You know, there's certain stuff that just works normally and wonderfully. Like Outlook blows. Like it sucks yeah. in terms of its like syncing and connectivity and like unified inbox. Like it's oh, just yeah. dumb. Yeah. Like the stupidest program I could imagine. But mm -hmm. it's the only one I can really use for a good mail solution. But I don't do a lot of correspondence on my uh, my PC. My right. PC is kind of my workhorse. It's right. where I do my heavy lifting. Right. Whereas my Mac is where I kind of like to spend my time. Gotcha. Where I actually enjoy being in it. Hmm, so, interesting. You know, my cool. PC I work with because I have to work with it, but it's not like this gut-wrenching experience. Sure. It's still good. It still gets the job done. Right. Few things here and there, but you still experience that with a Mac. So Nice. Great answer. Alrighty. Well, this has been great. Um, obviously, where, where can people find more of your work and, and well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, so I guess Twitter is Olaf Blameris, but I've been doing that less and less these days. Instagram, I think I post a picture like every month, maybe. <laughs> I really like I've had I've had ongoing battles with social media and you know, where do you focus your attention and you know, the more time you spend on that, are you actually creating stuff or mm. you know, what are you working towards? Are you trying to get more followers or what is it all about in the end? And I guess for me, I want to just start making work that speaks loudly, mm. right? That has a message that gets people's attention and then other people can talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to be there. Like I don't want Twitter to be my existence, right? Right. I like the idea of not being on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or any of that and just creating my work, mm -hmm. right? And then if people talk about it, great. If people don't, great. But uh, to answer your question, <laughs> um, blmrs.com, I guess will be in a link in some capacity. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, Olaf Blomaris on Twitter. And I think it's the same on Instagram, but Olaf.Blomaris. Cool. And I definitely recommend to anybody listening to check out blmrs.com. Um, he's got all his stuff on there. and. Uh, you'll you'll know right away he's he's a great visual director and uh definitely makes me proud um just to see kind of the stuff that we're capable of here uh so yeah check it out yeah Thank thanks you. for being here man right, no worries thanks for having me on all right yay see ya
thank you olaf what, a, what an awesome dude yeah thanks um, for being the first two-parter lots of great information there I think. Yeah, yeah i was actually surprised how how helpful he was yeah. about just kind of answering how to get started and, and, and totally. what to do and, and, and open and yeah being able yeah. to practical stuff like software he's a great dude yeah so thank you olaf for for coming in and chatting mm-hmm. uh so upcoming uh, deadlines and other news you can use uh the afa is coming up we've talked about this every week but if you're not applying you should be because mm-hmm. um, you have nothing to lose um the worst that will happen is you'll get a letter that says um pfo uh, of course very nicely <laughs> um no but actually it's uh, it's definitely something that you should be applying for um so go do that it's coming up on february 1st get started mm-hmm so uh, this is a this is a common thing that kind of comes up every once in a while uh, with with artist-run organizations. But if you use the Edit Suites at Fava and you've got projects sitting on their machine, it's time to go in and scoop them up because uh, you have until ja- until January thirty first to remove your projects because they're going to be doing a cleanup of their suites and saving some space on their hard drives. And you're going to lose your project if that's the only place you have it. So make sure you scoop it up before they clean up. FabaFest 2016 is now open for submissions. Uh, the deadline is February 1st. This year, you can completely submit online. Check out the show notes for the link. The NSI Short Film Fest is now accepting submissions. There's up to $4,750 in cash awards available. And submission is free. Uh, your film's got to be less than 30 minutes in length. It's got to be Canadian. And it must be available on YouTube or Vimeo and have been released after January 1st, 2011, which is pretty generous guidelines. That's a long time, say. yeah. <laughs> so if you've done a short film in the last four years uh, and it's less than 30 minutes in length, submit. You, Why it's not? free, yeah. you got, you got nothing to lose. free money, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Short films are being accepted now until Friday, March 18th, 2016. Upcoming events, Story Summit 2016. Matt and I just bought our tickets yeah. this morning to check this out in Banff. Um, they have a ton of workshops and panels and discussions and labs and breakout groups. Um, and it's all about, um, telling stories, which, uh, which we need to continue doing and we Mm -hmm. need to, we need to grow that part of our industry, sort of the, the story thinkers who hopefully will be not moving to Vancouver and Toronto and seeing the brain drain that we've been seeing Mm -hmm. over the past many, many decades. So kind of encouraging indigenous stories, um, and local stories. And, uh, yeah, it's great. What's, what's most interesting about this, if you were a student, uh, Matt and I each paid $300 each as Ampia members with the discount mm-hmm. to go to this uh, story summit in March. But if you're a student, the fee is only 125 bucks, uh, and you get access to a workshop um, and it's a great networking opportunity. So definitely check it out at storysummit.ca. And uh, if you're there and you have no one to talk to, um, find us. Yeah, and, come and, talk to us. Yeah, we'll be there <laughs> and we'll say hi. Uh, this week, M Media is presenting Alter Native, the Indigenous film series. Uh, this Thursday, January twenty eighth, the film series the film series showcases the rich landscape of works produced by Indigenous artists throughout the year. This year, there are seven short films and documentaries to check out. Doors are at six thirty. Screening is at seven, and you can check out more information in the show notes. Congrats to Ramin Yazdi for getting his documentary, Do You See Me, into the NSI Online Short Film Festival. He probably applied for free, uh, <laughs> like you should do too. Um, so Do You See Me uh, is a short documentary about the human rights challenges faced by the homeless community on the streets of Calgary. Uh, it's available to be viewed right now, um, nsicanada.ca, and we will have the link to that in the show notes. But uh, go check it out and uh, get some traffic to that page because they are watching analytics like every good website. So uh, yeah, support them by, by mm-hmm. watching it. Show them Albertans watch the most. Um, Upstart Calgary is happening again uh, in our workshops and classes section here. Um, February 8th to 11th, uh, 2016. It's happening on Mondays from 6.30 to 10 p.m. And auditions and interviews will be held on Monday, February 1st. And this is that workshop we've talked about a couple of times where you get to exercise your acting and and or directing muscle and produce a scene uh, from movies or television uh, as kind of a practice run uh, with a camera that gets cut together and you get to watch it the next week and see how it turned out. Um, if you're interested in joining this round of Upstart, go ahead and contact calgaryupstart at gmail.com by today for an audition time. Yeah, today's the deadline. So if it's by today, we mean Monday, of course. So if you're, watching, you're listening to this um, like a procrastinator on Thursday, <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. You missed it. So geez, guys. Uh, good job. So, what's shooting right now, man? Oh yeah, still got Winona Earp and the Night Pond as the active productions happening right now in uh, in Calgary, um, and uh, it's always good to see those projects rolling and sure. uh, employing some Albertans. Job calls. Uh, we talked about this last week, um, but uh, it's still 
open and, and I think personally it's really exciting. So Critical Mass, uh, which is a great company in Calgary, is hiring an associate motion designer intern. Uh, work closely with the studio team, producers, directors, video editors, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you'll, you'll get to touch all sorts of different stuff from conceptualization, storyboarding, shooting effects and editing. Uh, and it's a six month paid internship. Amazing. So yeah, check them out. Um, we've got a link to that job call in our show notes or uh, Google critical mass. Uh, and I'm sure you'll be able to find it somewhere. Yeah. So recommendations. Yeah. What do you recommend this week, Scott? Um, this kind of ties into what we were chatting about, uh, with Olaf, we brought up, um, a video about CG and how you actually don't notice it. Um, so Rocket Jump Film School, um, and if you don't know about Rocket Jump, they're this great YouTube presence um, that does that's kind of specializes in special effects. And they have one called uh, a video on, on YouTube called Why CG Sucks, Except It Doesn't. Uh, and they totally deal with a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Um, but also, so my recommendation is the video, but specifically Rocket Jump Film School. There's a ton of great videos there, um, as simple as how to use a C-stand properly um, to why CG sucks, except it doesn't. So check them out, uh, Rocket Jump Film School on YouTube, or check out the link to this specific video in the show notes. That's a, that's actually an amazing resource, and it's all for free. And, and yeah, you can you could you could watch through that and be more prepared than your average person heading into SAIT, I would think. They had a great, a great video too about testing different lenses and they had like a $150 lens and a $5,000 lens and even their cinematographers couldn't really, oh, really? tell the difference huh. when they were shooting in different. So I'll yeah, it's, it, it's great. It's just, just a great, uh, great deep dive into the technical breakdown of, of filmmaking. So check cool. it out, Rocket Jump Film School. I'm going to recommend the Tim Ferriss Experiment, which is a TV show uh, featuring an author who is uh, well known for the four hour series of books. He's got the four hour work week. And he recently uh, in the last couple of years created a book called the four hour chef. And it's not as much about cooking as it is about learning and learning quickly. Um, so he took that idea and, and kind of put it into practice on this TV show called the Tim Ferriss experiment. Um, the reason I bring it up now, it's been around for about a year, but he's just earned the rights to put it on Vimeo. Uh, so now it's available in Canada. Uh, so all the episodes are available. And the first one, I think you can probably find for free. It might be free on iTunes. Um, but it's a great example of rapid learning and the tricks that he uses to learn really quickly. So for example, the first one, he is learning to become a drummer, having never drummed before. Um, and obviously he's got a bit of an edge with, uh, with, uh, the, um, uh, like a super famous drummer. I don't want to mess up the band, but I want to say it's don't know, but one of the, <laughs> one of the best drummers in the world is kind of teaching him the fundamentals. And within, I believe five days, he goes from knowing nothing about drumming to having to perform on stage with foreigner at one of their concerts. And, uh, I won't ruin it, but it's pretty amazing what he's capable of, of learning and, um, the level at which he's able to attain in such a short amount of time. And it's, and it's really interesting information if you want to apply learning skills. If totally. you're still learning how to learn, which is a really important thing, um, this is a great way to, to figure out how your own brain works and how you can apply tools and tricks to make learning faster and easier. And it's um, also just about intense focus, right? And sure. how how productive you can mm -hmm. be when you mm -hmm. really, really, really focus on there's, something. There's a, there's a moment in, uh, in the first episode where he's, I think he's practicing and he's probably on his 50th hour of practice or something and he hates it. He gets to a point where he despises drumming and it's it's just interesting the way the human mind responds mm -hmm. to this kind of activity but uh it's definitely worth a watch and uh, i hope you enjoy all right well if we got anything wrong or if we missed anything or if uh if you're doing something that you think that the alberta filmmaking community should know about mm -hmm. as always let us know um we've had some people reach out to us on facebook yeah um but it, it hides most of your messages in our spam folder and we just discovered that this week so yes. uh, if you're not a friend with someone on facebook don't message them until you are a friend because they won't actually see your message yeah and you'll think um, that they're ignoring you which of course which, we are not yeah, no yeah. So I was glad I found those, but please uh, hit us up at hello at abfilmcast.ca if you'd like to get in touch with us about being on the show or maybe you've got some news, any of that stuff, you can reach us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And follow along on uh, SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook. Um, abfilmcast is our username on all that crap. So uh, come say hi and uh, tweet at us. Uh, but yeah, private messaging is a little bit trickier. So um, sure. great. Thanks, Thanks for listening and go, go make, make something. something.